Welcome to Newsworthy, guys. Jerry will be with us momentarily. Hadn't had a cough all day, and as soon as we got ready to go live, <laughs> Jerry's decided to cough up a lung. Probably, just saying, maybe, that it has something to do with the fact it's at least 3 million degrees in his, in his abode today. At least. Like You got the three right. 73. 73 million degrees. 73 degrees. One degree above north. One degree, 72. One degree above where most normal people literally evaporate. See, All those people will be missed. <laughs> you have you and a few people I know have this comfort zone that it must be between like 68 and 72. No, no. You're Colder, they're freezing to death. 65. Hotter, they're burning up. Wintertime, I keep my house around 65, 66. Summertime, 68. Three degrees, 65 to 68. <coughs> and that's where most people get their <laughs> best sleep. That's where most people, you're cracking me up. That's where most people. Those three degrees? Yeah. No. The cooler you are, the better you sleep. Scientific fact. I agree with that. Yeah. But I'm okay with anything between probably 60 and 76, 77. Yeah. <laughs> that, sir. 77 degrees trying to sleep in that is, you might as well put me in an oven. Did you grow up in a house that had AC? No. Neither did I. So in the summertime, what were you sleeping in? In July, it was probably what? Too 85? damn hot. 85 to 88? Too damn hot. And that's when I decided, <laughs> listen, everybody has their vision of what uh, rich looks like, where you've made it looks like. That's when I decided air conditioning is my vision of what rich looks like. Oh, so, hello, double. Welcome to the show. You got, to, you got to catch Jerry and I, Jerry, dying over here. And, um, well, it may be allergies, but literally we sat here the entire time we had dinner and not no one, one call. not even a, not even a small little, uh, what's a mini cough? What would you call that? Like a, a cough at, <laughs> a cough at. <laughs> <laughs> now he's just dying. So he's dying to serve our listeners. How about you that? decided it was because it's 73 degrees in the house. It's 173 million degrees in here. Yep. Yeah. Anywho, that's why you're in shorts and I'm in pants, and that's a big difference. You're comfortable. I'm not. When was the last time? Question for you. When was the last time that you had heat and AC on in the same day at your house? Uh, yesterday. That's what I figured. <laughs> exactly. That's my whole point. I refuse to do that crap. <laughs> well, I, refuse. I have gotten better. Instead of turning the AC on at night, I do raise the windows. There you go. Yeah. So does Double. She sleeps. But it, yeah, she exactly. has a fan in her window. But at this time of the year, you open the windows, and it very well may be in the 30s in your room when you wake up. Dude, I have a whole house fan. Like, if my heater, which, which I makes it even colder. I know. I have natural heat. Or natural gas for heat. And anybody who's ever had it knows it's by far the, the warmest heat out there, I believe. Maybe propane, but they're very similar. 
So it will heat up in my house like that. And sometimes too hot. So I no. got you no. I gotta turn the heat off and then open a window until it cools back down to an I've literally seen you before at seventy, seventy one degrees claim that it's burning up. You're about to melt. So you saying it's too hot? Surely not. Listen, I'm just saying that that's what they say. <laughs> I'm too hot for all this stuff. No, that that's not what they said. This is why I have to be on the right path and get to heaven because I'm I'm done at hell. <laughs> that can't happen. <laughs> if you say so, yeah, you be down there like with chilling, having a mimosa and stuff, and I mean, I'd be dying. Anyway, maybe, but I won't have a towel. I promise you that. <laughs> That I promise. Ooh, you're funny. You and your towels or lack thereof. Exactly. So, how lack was your week? Thereof. My week was very good. Very good. Love this time of the year. We were talking about it before. I, if I could pick, I would take cold weather over the hot weather. Uh, I, I just cannot stand when it's dripping out, especially the humidity. It oh, yeah. just gets unbearably hot. And, uh, yeah, I'm certainly glad every year when it begins to cool down. And we're into the uh, fall season now. As we were saying, all you have to do is open your window, and you certainly will get convinced of that very quickly. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. Um, I Ah, Mochi is here. How about that? Welcome, Mochi. We were just we were just getting ready to mo mention the Mochi's Munchies text line. What is that number, Jerry? Area code 540-709-1318. I know Munchie's happy this time of the year. What is that? One of those uh, apple something cookies she was making. What apple was butterscotch. It? Apple butterscotch. Which we still haven't like got any. Just say anxiously looking forward to, obviously. Yeah. Hey, uh, actually, yeah. Remind me to speak about that after the show. Okay. Um, How was your week? My week was stupid busy, and I'm beyond blessed because of it. Hey, Fuzzy's here. How about that? Well, um, I literally won another award at work, and I'm not tooting my own horn, but in the business that I do, Words mean something. It means you're doing something. You're moving forward. You're in. So uh, I, I, I'm very blessed with that. And I have a good amount of customers. I got another listing this week and literally maybe picked up two more today. Your um, award you won was listings, I think. Yeah. Uh, top listing for Century 21 in, in September. So I've never been in the business, but from what I've heard, for someone with your seniority in the business, that's almost unheard of for yeah. someone with no more time in the field than you've got to be out producing agents that have been doing this for 20, 25 plus years. Yeah. You know, like I say, I feel like when you were doing, Hey, Brett is had joined this. Welcome um, Brett. Uh, when you are doing what you love, it's not really work. So when you're supposed to be what you're doing. So, and I feel that way. So you're supposed it, to be what you're doing. Supposed to be doing what you're saying. You know what I'm saying. I do. What are we drinking? Gosh, you've already got me drinking. We're back to the Oliver. 
Cold Sweet Red. Why are we drinking that today? Because we passed 1,100 downloads this past week. We did pass 1,100. And I, I just want to say how it happened. Do you care if I explain no, how it happened? Do. Okay, so Monthly News Headlines is generally one of our biggest producers. Um, it's one of our most listened to. It's becoming, very rapidly, one of our biggest listened to shows. Um, but, and we were doing our normal-ish regular track. We finally, officially, and was able to see that we are now on Apple iTunes and Apple Podcast. Yep. And within 24 hours of getting onto those, uh, we had almost 60 downloads. <laughs> almost, no, it was 40. It was 40 downloads. From those? or Just little. from those. Very nice. Um, and, and now I take credit for two of them because I'm also the producer of the show. Me and you both are. Um, and so I downloaded one from each. So two of those were mine. Just to make sure that the system was working, I could go there. I could, you know, type us in, find us, and uh, and download an episode. So two of those were mine, but the rest were homegrown or home generated, and and that's uh, very nice. That's what we nice. want. Yeah. So we're now available on Apple iTunes, which is by far um, number one. The the big podcast. Yeah. And, and if you you know little inside the the weeds here and, and I don't care to go that way. Cause I like this. This is a growth thing for us. Um, <laughs> Brent says next is YouTube. So we can see those beautiful faces. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's did I mention, the way they re uh, release videos, right? Yeah. Yeah. And did I mention that last week, Brett had a terrible accident and became blind. No. <laughs> he must've, if he thinks that face on your head is beautiful. Actually, it's been so long since I saw Brett, he didn't, didn't even remember what I looked like. Mm. You, on the other hand, he sees you often enough. Yeah, I can't believe he would think that's a good idea. Oh, no, no. Right. I've seen my face. It is beautiful. Yeah, but you need I have a glasses. beautiful face and beautiful children. You need an update on your glasses. You got half of that. What? You need an update on your glasses. You know, I really do. Oh, my gosh. I really do. It's terrible. Listen, and I, I, I'd like feedback from you guys. When I first got glasses, I got my eyeglasses because I had astigmatism. Couldn't hardly see to drive at night. Everything looked all bright, you know. Um, so I went to the doctor. He said, yeah, we'll get you these, these prescription glasses. They are strictly for your astigmatism. That's all they do. When was that? Uh, like three years ago. Uh, before then... I always had above 2020 vision, like 20, I don't know, whatever the best number is, I had it. And I asked the doctor, I said, now I've heard rumors and I've done no research, but I've heard rumors that eyeglasses can actually work against your, against your eyes and help and, and weaken them. He's like, no, no, that never happens. That's not how it works. He's the doctor, took his word for it. I've had two upgrades since then in three years. And I'm ready for another one because fine print is getting fine, 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 too fine for me to read. Maybe some of that has to do with your age and you're now at the age where that begins to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure that's part of the process. Of course, you're 29. Remember, I always know how old you are. You're exactly or almost exactly 10 years younger than I. So 
Yeah. You're and having an issue with numbers today, aren't you? In a couple of decades. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. My daughter is, no, no, we are not doing bifocals. No, no, no. I refuse. It's only a matter of time. No. I'll wait till I'm, I've caught up with you, then I'll do bifocals. That's what I'll do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, listen, I've got a daughter that's over 29. Not mentioning names or anything, but, uh, yeah. Anywho. Um, what, uh, I, I was going somewhere with that. Oh, I was going to tell you the exciting news about Speaking Mike. Speaking of age. No, I, I was just going to tell you, you know, Mike is sure. an unheralded contributor to our podcast. Absolutely. Um, he is the biggest one we need to thank for all of the downloads. He's the pilot that flies around the country, lands everywhere all over God's green earth and downloads us from everywhere. So. Well, he's been a pilot for a long time. Yes, he has. And he has recently designed an invisible airplane. Oh, really? Yeah. He wanted me to Good help him. Yeah, he wanted me to invest in it, but I told him, I had to be honest. I said, I just can't see it taking off. <laughs> yeah, I could see where that might be a problem, especially <laughs> with your poor eyesight. Right? <laughs> yep. I'm it would be bad. You, yes, it would. Your uh, you're cat. Pointing in. Jerry has a cat. It's not my cat. It's Jerry's cat. It's a neighborhood cat. It's just Jerry's cat. It always comes... Right in the middle of the podcast. It knows what time it is. I think it likes me because it always comes when I'm here. Um, but it's not Jerry's cat, but it, Jerry has a food bowl for it, a water bowl for it. So, Tell what cat. I don't have. Uh, I don't know. A litter box. A towel. I have no litter box and no towel. <laughs> Please, don't stand up again. If you don't have a litter box... <laughs> For the cat, it's not your cat. Please don't stand up again. Speaking of dad jokes, um, that was probably one of the the better ones you've had. Oh, like thanks. Especially the the prelude, and you just you really roped us in. Good. I won't go through all of that with this one. But did you hear about the guy that had his whole left side cut off? His left side completely cut off. Cut off. No, it's okay. He's all right now. <laughs> You guys may not believe it, but uh, we told you earlier what we're drinking. The Oliver, cold, sweet, red. Steve has only had one glass, barely started on a second one. Doesn't sound like it. But, yes, we cannot blame that one on inebriation. That was uh, that was good. Props to that. Props to that. That was good stuff. <laughs> He's all right now. He's all right. <laughs> Didn't want you to worry. Well, I, I'm sure they appreciate that. Um, Absolutely. You know, you talk about people getting, my dad, and this is all serious, when he was probably, I want to say in his 20s, maybe 30s, early 30s, he had a very bad car accident. And back then, you know, they didn't do skin grafting like we have now. You know, that the technology has really developed in the last 20 years. So what they had to do to be able to save his arm is surgeons went into his stomach area oh, and made a cut 
and then attached his arm inside the cut and stitched that all up. So that, not to be graphic, but to um, let the skin grow back on his arm. And then they went and re-unattached it and sewed everything back up and healed it. You, you brought that up, and I was like, man, that's crazy. But back in the day, that's not unheard of. It was pretty... My goodness. That that technology that he went through was at an infancy when he did it. So that reminded me what you just said, talking about the advances in medical technology and how rough we had it, you know, not many years ago. It reminded me of a conversation you and I had maybe a year or so ago when we were talking about medical scientific advances and we were talking about before painkillers. There's oh. a civil <laughs> war. If a guy got shot in the leg and it set up an infection and they were going to amputate his leg. Leather straps and bourbon. They had two <laughs> methods of anesthesia and it was exactly that. Here's a piece of leather to bite on. Here's a couple of shots of bourbon. And that was it. And then they, then ran they got some, out the saw and started sewing your leg off. Well, they did put some bourbon on there to clean it and the blade oh too. I'm sure that felt good. Man, oh man. There is a... Um, a, a house and we'll get on topic. We have a great topic tonight, guys. Just so you know, we're both concentrating on one topic. We're going to discuss prisons. What's wrong with the prison system in America. Um, it's a big topic. We're going to get into it in just a second, but you're talking about the civil war in Cynthiana. There were several battles of the civil war in Cynthiana. We actually named the bridge after the guy who burned down the town. I don't understand why that is, but, uh, one of the older houses down actually close to where my daughter used to live on the corner was a North South hospital. It was according to the placard outside of it. Yeah, the owner was very, very, if you were injured, didn't matter what color your suit was come here. Um, and I think it's part of the haunted walk. at the end. If it's not, it should be because when I was growing up, you could always hear the stories about walking past that place at night and just hearing the the soldiers moaning and, and crying out in pain. Uh, so, Did you ever hear any of that? I never walked past it at night. <laughs> <laughs> I drove really fast past it at night. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm sure, you know, even if that's not spectral, a lot of times when you go into paranormal stuff, uh, it, it's what's called a, a, an astro stain where it's just the, the misery is so stained in the, the area. Even if the ghost air quotes are gone, the, the darkness is still there. So you're looking at me like I'm an idiot. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You Don't are. Worry. I can see it. If they, if, when we have video, you guys are going to be able to see all these looks. Jerry gives me. It's funny, especially when we go into my rabbit hole stuff. He just looks at me and shakes his head like I'm an idiot. In case any of you guys have ever wondered what originally brought on my, what the hell? <laughs> it was some of these rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love those things. I do. The I weirder, do. the crazier, the better almost. It's one of those things that, and I'm sure you probably, because you're kind of a math dude and a numbers guy. Logic guy. Yeah, a logic guy. It's, it's, it's very similar. You just want to know all the objects and all the variables. Well, I'm the same way, except my variables are intangible. So 
you know, right brain, left brain stuff. Or I have a big brain and you have small brain stuff. But the difference is mine, I, I, I need my variables to make sense. With you, it seems the crazier, the less sense it makes, the more you like it. No. The no. less you're able to defend it, the less you're able to say, here's what happened. Here's the way this works. In many no. cases, you're like, well, I don't know. That's what they say. Well, that's what, geez, here we go with they again. We just had this conversation before yes, we, we got on air. I like to go down rabbit holes to try to disprove rabbit holes. No. Yes. You like to go down rabbit holes and throw them at me and see if I can disprove them. <laughs> Fuzzy wants to know, and I quote, since we are good with numbers, talking to you, uh, may we explain why my fantasy football position <laughs> is always so low? LOL. I can. It's because um, you suck. <laughs> He's done very well several years. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. He has. He's he done very well several years. Well, I, it, you know, I think he's talking about draft order. And, and that is completely autumn. Um, draft order? Yeah. That's, if you're talking about draft luck order, that is 100% percent random. random. Uh, Jerry and I sit right here when we do that, when we activate that. Um, and when we activate it, it does its magic and it spits out a thing. It's nothing we control. It's nothing that. And they can see that. Yeah. If it, if you decide it, some people will all get together and have a party and maybe draw straws. Yeah. So they have to put in manually yeah. decided, but they can see where it is, you know, done randomly. Right. Uh, so they know that you're so, not just making that up. I do apologize for that fuzzy. I, I have no control over it. Where was he this year? Six and 11. He said he's been six and eleven every year. Six or eleven every year. <laughs> six is middle of the pack. Yeah. Eleven is, you know, obviously pretty sucky. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well, not really, because then you get two back to back yeah. picks. So you yeah. get so much of the draft normally depends upon getting one of the good guys. And by pick number eleven, there are no really good guys, unless there happens to be a guy that comes out of nowhere, like Patrick Mahomes or Kareem he Hunt got, a couple of years he ago. He got six and eleven. He got Swift and Diggs. Not bad. DeAndre Swift. You can't have Stephon but one. Diggs. Six and eleven. Is he in two leagues? I don't know. No. In one league, you can only have one draft number. We only well, the first year we only had ten picks. Or it was only ten teams. But for one year, you could one person could only have one number. Oh, you're confusing the heck out of me. Can we get to the topic? <laughs> By all means. You and your logic. I don't get it. Numbers. You number people. Math people. Oh. No, no. He says he drafts either number six or number 11. There you go. Not in the same league in the same year. You can't. No. Six or 11. The numbers are inverted. So if you're number six in the first round, then you'll be number four. Fifth on the second round. No, I get that. That's not what I'm saying. He's saying in the last few years that oh, he's, he's either not been this year, six several years. or 11 every sense. time he's played. Makes sense. The or, Jerry. It's the power of the or. I asked a minute ago and you said, no, this year. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know why he's saying that? Because he's. Because you, as commissioner of the league, was number one this year, number two last year, and one, two, or three the year before. Now, in total honesty, 
the three or four years prior to that, you were the last two or three yeah, every absolutely. year in a row. But absolutely. the last two or three years, you have been up near the top. Yeah. Well, I, again, I have no control over that. I agree. I mean, I would do things under the table to make that I happen. I totally but... agree, but I'm just saying the rabbit hole conspiracy people are going to look and say, <laughs> sure, sure it's random. <laughs> okay. Let's get to the topic. Prisons. Prisons. And let's preface preface this by saying this conversation does not include murderers, pedophiles, domestic abusers. Well, it kind of does. They're in prison as well. They're part of the problem. It, it is. Part of the issue. But we are not. Some of the, some of the solutions Suggested that solutions we're. Do not include them. Do not include them. Absolutely. I but am, we'll get to that. I am. Every bit not going to justify or ask for a pedophile to be let back on the street. And, and not just pedophiles and not just murderers. I think we would agree that violent criminals Carjackers, overall absolutely. do not need lesser sentences. Now, you're going to hear us in a little bit talk about some things that we think might help. And part of it is to reduce the sentences for some of the people. We're just yeah. telling you that it's not violent criminals. Right. We are not advocates of that. And I just want to throw it out there because I read a report yesterday about fragments of the LGBTQ plus community, and, and I'm saying fragments because it's certainly not everybody, who is starting to include um, some aspects of pedophilia into their group, saying that that's just a natural, normal love thing. I... Absolutely, one bazillion percent. Is that a word? Bazillion? Sure. Um, disagree with that. And if you are one of the people that are. Well, I would. I mean, what group of people are they talking about including? The, the people who think that it's okay for an adult human, male or female, to love, air quotes, and do sexual things with children. Oh, sure. I, I Those really don't people give a crap what you do, who you do it with, as long as they're 18 and consenting. Absolutely. 100% But agree. it's got to be both of those. Um, if you are, or if someone touched or acted that way toward one of my grandchildren, I'm old now. Prison doesn't scare me like it used to. Yep. <laughs> Um, and it would be well worth my time. I, I totally agree. There, you know, while I don't, you know, again, who you choose to love is your business, unless it's a child. Now, the reason I ask that is this. We have a big problem in this country with old, antiquated, outdated laws that have never been repealed. They're still on the books. Yeah. I remember reading a few years ago about how many states still have a law that prohibits anal. <laughs> it's, if I remember correctly, it's like 20 or 30 something states where that is illegal. And it's not a law that's been passed in the last 20, 30, 40 years. These are laws going back to the late 1700s, 1800s. Laws that are extremely old that aren't very rarely if ever enforced and should be done away with. So that was the reason I was asking yeah, no, the question. Was, I, I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, that, that's just crazy. If and you're I, if you're in prison for pedophilia, I hope they put you with the worst murderers in there. Yeah, <laughs> and I've always heard, I guess a lot of it's and in movies. Them. I have no idea if it's true, but I've always heard that even 
in prisoner, even oh, yeah. in prison, that's not okay. Yeah, no, it's not. People who have murdered and raped, you I, don't mess I, with children. I think that if you have been proven to mess with children, they put you in with a murderer, and the murderer's given, like, I don't know, a spoon. And he can do whatever he wants to to you for as long as he wants to to you with that spoon. Yep. Now. So, prisons. We're talking about something that we believe is a problem. There's two or three reasons that we think it's a problem. Number one, the United States has roughly approximately 5% of the world's population. Any idea of what percentage of incarcerated people we have of the entire world population? It's it's a stupid, ridiculous number. And I want to say, and off the top of my head here, I think it's over 20%. It is. It's closer to 25, actually. Wow. 5% of the population, we have almost 25% of the entire incarcerated population of the entire world. Now, that's horrible, right? Keep in mind that we're including every country. We're including China and Russia, where they lock up reporters. They lock up journalists who, if they don't report on the war efforts the way that the government approves of, they get locked up. Or WNBA stars. Or WNBA. <laughs> the, the point Sorry. is, these are we're including countries where human rights basically don't exist. They lock up whoever they want. In many cases, throw away the key. In the Philippines, which their last leader was... Crazy yeah, about law enforcement, Dirty or whatever his yeah. name was. The Bert, yeah, yeah, yeah he was. They didn't even mess around with it. Uh, well, jaywalking, life, click, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but real quickly they found out that he was abusing it, and he was going after political rivals of sure, his. Sure, and, yeah, as usually happens. Exactly with, with dictators. Yes, absolutely. But so we know that we have a huge portion of the entire world's population of incarcerated people, almost a quarter of them. We have locked up here in the United States. So we probably have one of the safest countries in the world, right? No. Not even close. We have one, as far as first world countries go, we have one of the highest rates of violent crimes that you'll find anywhere in the world. Okay, so we lock up a crap ton of people and keep them locked up for considerable amounts of time. Well, at least hopefully we're making a huge impact on those people, right? Oh, well, to, to look at that, to determine whether or not we're being successful there, you have to look at recidivism rates. And we have one of the highest recidivism rates of any country in the world. You've been practicing, haven't you? What, that word? Yeah. yeah I had to listen to it being pronounced two or three times. I still um, so I'm not even going there. 44% of criminals that are released every year are back in the criminal prison system within one year. within one year. 68% are arrested and back in prison within three years. 77% within five years. 77% recidivism rate within a five-year time frame. Over three-fourths of everyone that we let out ends up back in prison. Compare that with Norway. Norway has one of the lowest recidivism rates in the world. In 2016, it was only 20% of the inmates that were reoffended within five years. Let's stop. Let's hold. Let's put Norway in our cap for a little while. Um, yes. Because of any of the first come world, back to if any of the first world countries are getting it, I think it's Norway. So I've set the stage about how big the problem is, how we can tell. You talk to us some about 
the problem, where it's coming from. Let, let, now, we're going to discuss about 11 different topics as, as time permits. Uh, some of these topics are way bigger than some of the others. Some of them are very small, but they do contribute to the overall pressure in prison. Right. Okay. Um, some of them are much bigger, and we really need to drill down, focus, and find out why, how, and what's going on with that. Um, and, and you're right, Double. It seems, it would seem, wherever you compromise, you lose. And a lot of that is based on the fact that in America, we feel and, and that there's two ways of looking at prison in the world. Punishment and treatment. And rehabilitation. Rehabilitation. Word. And many, many times in America, those two cannot coexist. Or citizenry thinks that nothing's being done and there's no justice. And I'm using air quotes for justice, okay? And to a certain degree, as, as we've talked about uh, a little while ago, um, to a certain degree, that's true. You know, um, so... But let's, let's talk about some of the issues. I'm going to cover the smaller ones first and get them out of the way. Because okay. that way we can spend time on the bigger ones. Sure. Make sense? So some of the smaller reasons that our prison system is terrible here in America. Um, and, and, a lot, and, and again, uh, we're, we're just talking about the problems now. We don't condone these. We're not saying yay or nay on these. This is just what it is in, in the world. Okay. And we'll talk about perception here in a second. Uh, foreign prisoners, which I know is a smaller one, but it can be an absolutely devastating one if you are a foreign prisoner in, American, in an American prison. And the reason for that is you don't speak the guard's language. The guard doesn't speak your language. And if, as we'll get to in one of the other ones, if the guard can't understand you, the guard's going to automatically assume you're wrong and sometimes um, get pretty brutal with how they treat you for being wrong. Um, another one of the things uh, that's a small problem in ours is a very, very strict uh, restriction on... on uh, <coughs> Okay? Excuse me. Right. I hope so. I'm just making sure. Just making sure. Um, we'll come back to that one. It, embarrassingly enough to say, I do, and I got to come back to it because I can't read my own around. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Surely not. Um, congestion in prisons. As Jerry alluded to earlier, we have 5% of the world's population and 25% of their prisoners. <laughs> I don't know of a prison anywhere in the United States that is not overcrowded. Um, and that's terrible. I, if you... Here's the thing. Um, if you are... Uh, I think Jerry's going to die. Especially the overcrowding is especially huge right now as we're going through and coming out of a pandemic. Yes. When one of the biggest things that needed to be safe during the pandemic was social distancing. How can you socially distance when you're in a prison where the state of Montana, 
their entire state prison system is operating at 120% capacity. Right. That's 120% of normal capacity. What is it for a pandemic capacity? Scary stuff. And, and there's, there's no way you can, uh, in a prison, there's no way you can do that because you have a set number of people. Even if you were at regular capacity, you can't social distance. So that brings me to another thing on the list. Actual health care in prison. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to be honest with, with you folks. <coughs> Ten years ago, I had a much different idea about what prison should be. I, I used to be um, very hardcore. And, well, they did the crime. They got to do the time, whatever that presents. Um, until I started reading some of the numbers. And, uh, and, and you you can't – I'm getting off topic. I don't mean to get off topic. Sorry. So let's, let's, let's get back to the focus of the list because I want to do that. Um, let's just start with a bigger one because these smaller ones, we're going to run out of time and I don't want to fool with them. But I do think overcrowding. Overcrowding is, is a very big one. Yes. It's a very big issue. Um, well, let's talk about the racist bias. And, you know, if you tell us, if you tell me that, <coughs> if you tell me that, um, <laughs> Double says, get some medicine. <laughs> he's trying. He's got cough so drops. He's sucking them down. He's sucking I'm them down like, like crazy. Allergy medicine every day. Yeah. It, it's bad. He's trying. He's trying. I promise. So, um, anyway, let's, want some numbers? Yeah, let's on the let, racial bias. Let's talk about the racist racial bias, and then I want to get into why. Okay. Because there's there's a real hard driven point to why. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. First of all, I want to go back and, and mention something that I should have mentioned a long time ago. The prison population exploded in starting in the late 70s, early 80s, when we began the war on drugs. During Nixon's presidency. Yes. Who, who was, he's the one that declared the war on drugs. In 1980, we had 316,000 people in, incarcerated in the United States of America. In 2008, 1.6 million. The vast majority of those, the increase was as a result of drugs, drug charges. Um which did a couple of things. Number one, we began to throw a lot more people in prison. We also increased the minimum sentence. So in other words, they were staying longer. More of them were coming and they were staying longer. Since its official beginning in the 1980s, the number of Americans incarcerated for drug offenses has skyrocketed. In 1980, 40,900 people. In 2019, 430,000 alone in one year. Almost a half a million people. Many of these, obviously, for multi-year sentences. So now let's go back to racial bias. For residents in the United States born in the year two thousand one, the can, can yes. I interrupt that sure. for just a second? Because I think on what you just said is a good example of our government TikToking both ways too hard. Oh, absolutely. You know, we had the war on drugs from a Republican president. Because of the blazing 60s. started with a Republican right. president. It was continued oh, yeah, yeah. president. But it started because of the very lax notion of the 60s. Yes. And, and so, movement, we, so we that. pivoted this way too hard. 
our government has done this for years. Sure. And we're going to have probably several examples of that. But I didn't mean to interrupt you. But go no ahead. problem. The li- lifetime likelihood of imprisonment for U.S. residents born in 2001. All men, one in nine chance, going to prison. If you're a white man, one in 17. If you're a black man, one in three. Again, white men, one in 17. Black men, one in three. All women, one in 56. It's insane. If you're a white woman, it drops to one in 111. If you're a black woman, one in 18. Now, we know that drug convictions are a huge part of the overall prison population, approximately 50%. We also know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, many studies have shown that roughly the same percentage of white people and black people are using drugs. But yet it's the blacks who go to prison. It's not the white, disproportionately so. At a rate over five times, they black people are more than five times as likely to go to prison for drugs as whites, even though every study says that it's roughly the same percentage of both groups that are using drugs. Sure. Do you think this is, you know, in the racial world that we live in now, which just breaks my heart, first of all, I... Racism is a taught thing in our country today. Kids aren't born racist. Sure. Uh, But do you think that this one statistic is what a lot of people who claim racism, systemic racism, is this the statistic that that claim comes from? I think it's one of, and it's one that can't be defended. There is no way to defend this. I agree. Uh, There's absolutely no way to defend it and say that it is. But but there are many more examples, too. Many more. Uh, When you look at the number of people that are pulled over in traffic stops, it is blacks, I think I've heard, are like six, seven times more likely to be pulled over than a white. Uh, There are several different things that, that go into that. But yes, this is certainly one of the statistics that make people say that there is, that we have an endemic racial issue in America. And yeah. it's hard to defend it. Well, yeah, I get that. Not something we like to look at, not something that we like to... Uh, facts are facts. Facts are facts. But this is not an easy one to uh, to know how to deal with and how to figure out. Right. Well, I would like to contribute some of those numbers to a couple of things. Okay. Um, a tribute, not contribute. Yeah, a tribute. There you go. Thank you. The war on poverty is where these numbers started to really spike. When we started, and we've talked about this a hundred million times, on air and off air, I think. Or I think on air, but I know for off air. When you started breaking up the household of the low-income family. Talking about welfare policies? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I agree. You started this trend. And this just further exacerbates it. By Absolutely. This obviously will further break up yeah. the when family. You, when, you give, when you give benefits to people who are unwed, when you give benefits to people for having children out of wedlock. Hey, Obey, welcome to the to the, stu- the studio here. I Obey. can't even speak. Obey. 
O B E Y. Thought it was the seasoning Old Bay. <laughs> well, that would be very tasty, but yes, no. it would. <laughs> have you heard they're coming out with a hot sauce? I have not. Uh, Actually, we forgot our new segment today. Yes, we did. We have to do that. We'll do that next week. New segment next week. Um, there's your teaser. Um, but you know, when we started rewarding not having a father figure in the home and having more children to exacerbate how many uh, benefits you actually get, that left a lot of fatherless children, especially in lower class and lower income urban areas. And a lot, well, who lives there? Unfortunately, it's a lot of black folk. The exact same thing can be said with the hills of Kentucky. Education. Oh, absolutely. Issues. Not absolutely. just welfare, but educational problems going back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. Sure. And the fact that for many years they weren't allowed into white school systems and that the segregated school systems were not equal, were not anywhere close to equal. But the lack of education also certainly contributes to the increased likelihood of poverty, which also directly correlates with increase in crime. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you, you can't... I think that has to do with how many people, the difference in getting pulled over. I, you know, I think that if a certain number of the population is doing most of the crime, that population group is going to be targeted more by the people who judge yeah. the crime. But again, studies show that that group is not doing the majority of the crime. Well, I think that's but a perception very, is perception that they are. Is. Right, right. And perception, as we noted in media, perception in the real world means a lot. Even it's not just perception, because if you look at statistics, you would say that black people are far more apt to commit crime. When you begin to dig a little deeper, especially when you look at drugs, we, we know that's just not true. We know oh, absolutely. the number of white people doing drugs is roughly identical to the number of black people doing drugs. When it gets into violent crime, murder, all those things, that's a different scenario. It's hard to compare apples to apples, but with drugs, we can. Yeah. Well, let me, my question would be, is that when we're talking about drugs, is that a percentage based that we're doing the equal amount? Because yes. Okay, yes. percentage. You're simply wise. saying so it's that not the same saying... percentage of whites are okay. doing drugs as the same percentage That's important. of blacks. So, if you look at prisons, you should see roughly the same percentage of black people in prison for drug charges as there are black people in population. Right. No, but I you're seeing that. three and four or five times as many black people in prison as there are in the overall population. Oh, absolutely. That's what. That's what I just want to make sure we had that distinction. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, basically. There is a huge racial racial disparity in our prison systems. There is. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and move us forward. We could talk about this for an entire show. Absolutely. Ten um, shows. Probably ten shows, and you're right, not even touch the surface. Yeah. Um, people do have, have choices. They absolutely do. Um, but what they don't always have are the means to dispute and dispute you know, disparage those choices. Every single, and I use this example, every single poor community in Kentucky has a brand new courthouse. <laughs> no one, and, and that's because of, the, that's built specifically on the backs of poor folk. I, you're not going to convince me otherwise. Going along with what you just said, 
you often hear that uh, justice is colorblind. That's not true. It's really not. It's not colorblind to the to the color of green. Right. Because if you have plenty of green, you can buy the attorneys and get yourself out of most anything. Yep. It does not matter what color you are. O.J. Yep. Simpson certainly proved it with his attorneys when he got away with murdering his wife. Yep. And, and you know, um, maybe I have a really close attorney friend who does. Uh, all he does is criminal defense. Really? Maybe we should talk to him one day. Get him on a podcast. Just to see what his craziest and what, what, what he does. Because he's excellent. If I ever go to in, in, get in trouble, his his phone's in, his number's in my phone. <laughs> He's the yeah. first person I'm calling. I believe there's a need for those guys. I believe our justice system demands that people have the right to representation. So there's a need for those guys. Some of them, some of the very best, do it entirely too well. I have no idea who your friend is. I'm just saying uh, some he's of one them of those. Way too well. He's one of those. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the racial bias, and, and we're going to get into drugs in just a second, Double. She's very right. Nobody forces a drug into them. I agree with that. 100%. Um, but why is it that if you're black and you're doing drugs, you're more than five times as likely to go to prison for it right. as the white people who do drugs? And that, that's what we're. That's the problem. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're talking about tonight. Um, mental illness. And I'm sure that you have this stat, and if not, I do. I do not. Um, so mental Ill, mentally ill folks make up, in the, in the late 1990s, there were four, wait, I'm sorry, let me back up. Over one and a quarter million prisoners suffer from mental torment. Not mental, oh my gosh, I'm sad I'm in prison. Mental torment, depression. Schizophrenia, um, uh, bipolarism, real mental diseases. By the late 1990s, that was four times higher. Um, and because of those mental illnesses, untreated, usually led to longer services, meaning they reoffended somehow in prison, attacked a, a, another inmate, attacked a guard, had a miscommunication. Um, did something in prison that allowed that made them unfortunately stay in prison. In fact, the ACLU recently won a case saying that some types of mental illness and keeping them in general population is recognized now as a practice of torture and has to be stopped on a federal level. Um, you know, if, if, if a per and I'm not talking about the people who claim insanity to get out of whatever they're doing. I'm talking about people that have a legitimate, treatable, diagnosable mental illness that's being kept in general population. And regardless of their crime, end up spending way more time than originally sentenced because once in prison, they have no outage, they have no medication, they have no um, other way to respond and end up doing bad things in prison to have to stay in prison. I'm one of those. Oh, you are. I'm claustrophobic. You are. I cannot imagine if I was put into prison, handcuffed, shackled, small, late, but I can't imagine. I, I would go nuts. I would absolutely lose it. Oh, I believe that. I believe that. hundred um, percent. And I was saying that sarcastically. I'm not 
saying that what I have begins to compare with people who have serious mental illness. There are people who, another thing you did mention that goes hand in hand with it. In many cases, these mental issues are what led to the original problem that got them sent to prison to begin with. So it's a lack of dealing with the mental issues on the outside as well as on the inside. As a society, we don't do well at that. We do terrible as a society in dealing with any kind of mental. First of all, in America, there's still stigma that if you have some sort of mental illness or have to take some sort of medication to balance, that you're less than. Yep. And we have to change that first. And then we can start reaching out because we have not near enough counselors, not near enough psychologists. There's not enough people entering the fields to take care of, of yep. the people that have a first world driven mental illness. Now, what do you mean by that, Steve? I mean that if you go to Zimbabwe, out in the bush country, you have severe mental illness. But in America, we have other types of mental illness that they don't have driven from the pressures of our society um, that are untreated. It's why people do some of the weird, unfortunate, permanent things that they do. Um, So... My next one is going to be severe restrictions on communications. Um, and this is a smaller one, Jerry. This is the one I, I couldn't read my handwriting on. I apologize. But family and loved ones of incarcerated people find it very challenging to, to even visit them. A lot of prisons, when you get put into prison, and we're speaking on federal levels right now um, for the most part, um, if there's not a federal prison next to where you committed your crime, you could be on the other side of the country. Well, if you're on the other side of the country away from all your feet, you only have one or two ways of communicating. You can use a phone. Unfortunately, the prison systems have learned, hey, this is a good way for us to generate revenue. And it's astronomical, the cost associated with making a phone call yep. from prison to a loved one back home. Are you going to get into the for-profit prisons at all? I did not touch in the private sector prisons. I don't think that should be allowed. It should be allowed. There's no way it should be allowed. It's brutal, it's dictator, and you're going to find out in in what we're talking about today, a lot of our public prisons are ran the exact same way, for profit. But at least in the public system, there is no incentive for them to cut every corner they can. There is no incentive for them to save every penny that they possibly can. Where in a for-profit system, you, you've got to answer to a board of directors who's got to answer to the shareholders uh, when, when you don't meet your your profit goals. Right. So yeah, they have huge incentives to, to want to uh, cut every penny that they possibly can, which, you know, again, a lot of what we're talking about could be fixed if there was some more money put into the system. Yeah. Many, many places in Texas have already eliminated in-person visits at at, at all, replacing them with video chat services. Um, While I understand you're in prison, a in-person face-to-face with someone that cares about you and that you care about is a very good way of getting you right. Sure. Um, a lot more than looking at a TV screen. And we're going to talk about the major word in a little while, the big H. Yep. And what makes a successful prison or a successful uh, served time versus you're just thrown away. 
and your time's thrown away in just a little while. So having the ability to contact, if you're a father and you have kids on the outside, it's really nice to be able to have a conversation with them. That is a driver to get you back out sure. and hopefully get you rehabilitated. Absolutely. Um, so I got what? I've got several left. We're going to talk about contraband really fast. Um, if you pay a guard, you can get things you don't, you're not supposed to have in prison pretty easy. Once you've been inside for a while, you know the guards to pay, you know what, who to contact, and you can get pretty much anything you need in prison. Unfortunately, a lot of the things that you need in prison, and I'm using air quotes again, are the same things that got you in prison. Yep. Drugs, some sort of alcohol, some sort of something to cigarettes. make the alcohol, yeah. cigarettes. All the addictions. Um, all of the addictions, the vices. Um, and I think that if you're a guard and you get caught helping there, you should be out. Because you're not you're you're contributing to keeping them there. Not only should you be out of back. a job, I think it should result in criminal charges. And I'm not saying necessarily prison, but depending upon the offense, depending upon what you're convicted of, possibly yeah. that this should be very serious. And here's one of the the we're going to talk about this one. <laughs> um. Let's talk about this one because this is a perfect example. And I'm basing these stats and the, the things that I have here. These are based out of a study from um, Massachusetts uh, University, uh, just to give them proper credit, um, .org. So this is a, a twofer, okay? The one on one side is you have officer safety. In typical prison settings today in America, mm -hmm. because of overcrowding, there's almost 50 to 75 inmates to every one guard inside the walls. So That's scary. That's very scary. Um, if you have 50 to 75 folks, you can be overwhelmed and overpowered very quickly, which sure. is why they don't allow, most prisons no longer allow firearms inside areas accessible by the inmates. Um, you still have the guard towers and the guard wall. Those are all live ammo sniper rifles. But for the most part, you have pepper spray and you have stun guns. That's it inside the walls. So that's very scary for the people trying to keep the people in prison. However, it becomes more scary when we flip it over to the, the other side of this which is the stupid, harsh, and brutal treatment of inmates by said guards. And yep. I don't know which, this is kind of a chicken and an egg thing, <laughs> yep. is which the brutal on? treatment because the, the prisoners um, treat them bad or, or, vice versa. or vice versa. And we can sit here and argue about and debate that till the cows come home. My son was a former corrections officer. And I often had to remind him and bring him back to earth that, hey, these are people. He would he would want to talk about how he had to slam somebody down because they wouldn't listen or they wouldn't do this. And I'm like, that's still a person. And me and him would go round and round. He probably didn't like my answers much because he was in corrections. And until reading that how over outnumbered they were, 
I kind of thought that was a bit harsh. But if you don't, and I see their point, if you don't present power, strength, strength, that's not going to go well in a prison setting. You know, it really isn't. If you're perceived as a weak link, they're going to they're going to use every opportunity to to go around to push out, try to push your buttons or corrupt you to bring it in contraband. Um, but I, you have to treat people as people. And that goes for the prisoners toward the guards. Hey, the guards didn't put you in prison. You did. But the prisoners, the guards also have to to be able to make any headway, in my opinion, the guards have to show respect to the prisoners as well. We also, somewhere along the line, we have to remember who's being paid to be the good guys. Right. Prisoners are the bad guys. We know that going into it. Are some of them very, very, very deserving of being in prison? Absolutely. Yes. Are they, just because they're there, suddenly going to become model citizens? No. They're going to do some crazy bad stuff. But... Dropping to their level and doing bad stuff back doesn't help the overall situation. No. It, it really doesn't. All it's doing is, like you said, it becomes a matter of which comes first, the chicken or the egg. And after long enough, you really can't tell, tell which. the difference. Except one has a badge and one doesn't. Yeah, one can get away with it and yeah, one can't. That's really unfortunate. As we saw in that video from here in Kentucky with, with police officers starting that process of beating people before they even get them in the car, uh, just we, we have to be better. The people we hire have to be better. Very true. Where was it within the last couple of weeks? Um, a cop was on patrol. He saw a young guy sitting in a McDonald's parking lot eating. He thought it was someone that had he had attempted to pull over the previous day or two, and they ran from him. He went up to the door, jerked the door open, ordered the guy out of the car. Um, the guy, the car was running, put it in gear, and attempted to take off. Uh, it had There was video with the chest-mounted camera. It happened so quickly, it wasn't even obvious if the guy in the car knew it was a policeman ordering him out of the car. He did not identify as a policeman. He jerked the door open and said, get out of the car. He puts it in drive, starts to drive. The cop pulls his weapon, fires five times before I think the car moves. It's in gear. The brake lights are on. He fires five times. The car begins to move. He fires five more times. The last I heard, the guy, the young man is in uh, the hospital in critical condition. And the officer, five months on the police force, had been fired. Somewhere out west, I don't remember where. But yeah, judgment. We've got to have police officers and guards in prison who has good judgment. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. How is an officer been on duty for only five months, even alone at that point? Yeah. In this particular, you know, if you are a fry cook at McDonald's, and first of all, if you give me fresh fries, you are my (laughs) best friend. But if you were a fry cook at McDonald's, that's one thing. You can learn. You can train. Hey, I hit this button. When the button goes off, I pull the fries out. I salt them. I put them up where they're supposed to go, and good. You can learn that in a couple of days. Sure. You can't learn all the nuances and the instincts of being a police officer in five months that to where you should be cut loose doing anything but ticket duty, walking up and down the streets, chalking car tires. I agree. That's insane to me. 
And they're going to come back and say it's budgetary. We got time for a short story. I promise I'll keep it short. No, we got all kinds of time. When uh, I was in Virginia, spent almost 20 years there. Yes. This is our podcast. There you go. <laughs> we, we can take all the time we want. <laughs> I had a customer that I got to be good friends with, and he was retired uh, fish and game wildlife officer. And I remember this is going back 10 or 15 years, and it was back when the the police shootings were beginning to hit the news, it seems like, constantly. And I remember he and I having a conversation one day, and he, in fact, was a retired police officer. They are a law enforcement officer. They have the power of arrest. Uh, he told me, he said, when he began, and this was in Virginia, uh, I have no idea if that was the, the rule here, but he said when he began, the policy was that the first year that they were in the field, they were not allowed to carry a gun. He said, and think about what we did. Think about the people we interacted with. Almost everyone I met had a gun. When you're out in the woods oh, and yeah. you're dealing with fishermen and hunters, they are all armed. Right. Every one of them are armed. Very few fishermen might not be. They are armed. It's not a matter of if they're armed. He said, most officers, when they are out on the streets, they wonder, is this guy armed? Yeah. He said, I didn't wonder. I knew they were armed. Yeah. The first year, they were not allowed to carry a weapon. That makes you interact a whole lot differently. He said, you know what? It made us learn how to talk to people. <laughs> we didn't talk down to people. We learned how to diffuse a situation with language instead of walking up being Mr. Billy Joe Badass because we had a gun and a right to use it. We learned in the first year, I don't have a gun. He does. I better learn how to talk decent to these people. Sure. Treat them like a human being. Sure. It's kind of like if you want to, somebody, I forget who it was, that said, if you want to get rid of head injuries in football, make them stop wearing helmets. Yeah. <laughs> that was this guy's, his name was Jim. That was his solution to our problems with police. Make every police officer do what I did, he would say. Spend the first year without a gun. You'll talk to these people differently. Yeah. You won't treat them like crap. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, and this is not a police bash show. I, we have said on almost every other episode they that we believe job. it is the toughest job in America a doubt. to be in a police officer. Absolutely. And kudos to all those that do it. The vast, vast majority yeah, the, do it right. Absolutely. Um, I got three more. Sure. I want to cover it, and they're the three biggies. Okay. <laughs> I did that backwards, even though I said I was going to do it backwards. I did it backwards to how I said <laughs> I was going to do it. Um, so the first one that I'll cover, and it's a little quicker, is, and we mentioned Joel Pyro, Pyro on this one. Minimal Phoenix, allocations Arizona. of basic needs. Yep. Folks, there are people and places, in there are jails in Georgia that will give a 1,500-calorie meal every 1,400 or every 14 hours to their prisoners. If I'm hungry, I'm thinking of ways to get food. There was one report that people in those particular jails and prisons were eating toilet paper and um, chewing gum. I don't even see how any of this is legal. I don't I either. I really don't see how I don't either, but it's happening. It was reported. No, I, I'm not disputing that. Um, so, Joe Arapaio. Thank you, Arapaio. He was known for two, three things. He was known for pink jumpsuits. He Which, put his male care. prisoners in pink jumpsuits. It was a way to demean them. Yeah. He was known for having tent 
jails out in, and he was in Phoenix, Arizona, out in the desert yeah. in the middle of the summer. He would have big tents set up. Now, that wasn't his fault. His prisons, his jails were beyond capacity. And he was simply saying, either build me more jails that I can hold them in, or this is the only solution. The big thing he was known for, probably the biggest that should have been illegal, was green bologna. He would feed them bologna sandwiches with bologna that was so close to being outright moldy, it was green in color, greenish in yeah. color. And, and I don't care if you were in custody. It's our job as a society, a first world society, yes. to make sure you're fed. Yes. Even if you're on death row. I, you know, I'm sorry. At least you're going to get a meal. <laughs> this might play into that. Another, a couple more facts real quick. Sure. There's absolutely. a huge difference between states as far as how much money they spend. Now, the average is around $33,000 in 2015. The federal prison average in 2020 was $39,000. So real close as far as the state average and federal average, real close. In 2015, as I said, there's a huge difference from state to state. New York spent an average of $69,000 Per inmate. Holy buckets. Kentucky, 16000 oh. I don't have Georgia. Alabama was 14000 Now, the difference between green bologna and bologna colored, the right color, might fall somewhere between $14,000 a year per inmate and 69000 Oh, I'd say, yeah. I'm sure part of it's money that's yeah. being allocated. Yeah. And when you, and you're able to, to cut somewhere... The thought from Washington, the thought from your capital of your state is, ah, they're prisoners. Nobody's going to care if we Who cut cares? their budgets um, until someone escapes. <laughs> or dies from yeah. malnutrition or whatever. So the next one, these next two for me are the two that changed my entire viewpoint on prisons. Okay. And I'm just going to be blunt. Um, the first one is addictions and the lack of proper treatment for the addicted. If prison, if you come from the perspective that prison is only punishment, then we're doing it right. But once you start realizing the, what's the R word, Jerry? I'm not going to try it. The R word? Yeah. Recidivism rate? Yes. If you realize how high that is amongst the drug people, then you realize that we are not doing it right, treating it and only as punishment. And it's very high amongst the prisons who concentrate on punishment, yes. not rehabilitation. Right. So that being said, and Double had said something earlier that they make the choice to put the drugs in their system. 100% correct. However, once that decision has been made, it becomes all of our problems when they start breaking the law to get said drugs. Yep. And if we just throw them in prison, they do not get treatment. As if you watch any of those drug shows on the, Learn, the Learning Channel or any of those, the first thing they do, as soon as they walk out of the prison, they get in the car, whoever's picking them up, they're shooting up. If we don't nip that in the bud while we have them isolated and can't do anything else, um, we are dooming them to come back to prison to where they're another problem, where they're out there stealing again to get more drugs until they get caught. And then we have to feed them again for whatever their second sentence is. I hadn't is. thought of Barney Fife in a long time until the nip it in the bud comment. Yeah, see there? I even bring out old stuff just go. for you, Jerry. Yep. Just for even you. Even for old timers like me. You know, speaking of, I just I just want to say, <laughs> I think the reason everybody in Mayberry got along is none of them were married. 
You're right. Most weren't. The only one that was married was the guy that always got locked up for being a drunk. Mm-hmm. He was the only one in that whole show that was married. Was I think a, that was subliminal, but I think it was the fact. He wasn't dealing with it very well either, was he? <laughs> Doesn't say much for the institution of marriage. No. So anyway, what I was getting at is while we have these guys and gals in prison on drug charges, part of their their release, part of their rehabilitation has got to be to get them off the substances that yes. got them there. Again, unless we want to continue paying state prison, $33,000 a year average, federal 39, somewhere in the mid to upper $30,000 per year for every single inmate, unless we want to continue to pay that for each and every person that's on drugs, let's find a way to rehabilitate them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I just want to say, this is one of the, my big changes. Years ago, I was like, ah, they all need to be in prison. Screw blah, them. blah, screw them. Folks, that can't continue. And, and people who are addicted do occasionally, with help, recover. They do. Not always. And in several European countries, at a far, far higher rate than in the United Absolutely. States. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which tells us Norway. that we are doing it wrong. Not only Norway, yeah. most of the of the northern European countries and a ton of the central. Again, we're at the very bottom as far as recidivism rates. We're one of the highest in the world for first world countries. So we're and, doing and, something wrong. In this particular case, and probably in the next particular case, it really comes down to what you want to happen in prison. Do you want these people to sit there watch TV, work out, serve their time, and then come right back out within, what was the, the time frame? For which one? Anybody. Well, the recidivism rates, I give the numbers for one year, three years, one and five year. years. Within a year. How, how, how many, what's the percentage of within a year? 44%. In the United States, 44% 40, 40, are back. So we have to year. make a decision. If we're going to have them stuck in a room, and we're going to feed them, and they can stay in their room, and they can't learn anything, read a book occasionally, and within, you know, 44% of them will be back in prison in a year to start the cycle all over again, and we're paying for it. Or do we use it as a true rehabilitation? They're still serving their time. They're still away from their family. They still don't have their freedom, but we use it as a true rehabilitation to roll in, to get these people treated. Most of these people have skills. A lot of them. So for the ones that don't, teach them some skills. We're getting into no that matter very why, next thing. Let's give them some something. Hope. Let's give the them hope. H-word. That's the H word. You know, in, in the punishment system, there's not a lot of hope because you're going to go to prison. When you get out of prison, you're coming out with a felony. You have a felony you don't qualify for things that can make your life better. Most jobs. You can maybe work four or five um, part-time jobs. You can maybe do a construction job, which we need construction workers. But then you're going to be looked down on and you're never going to climb the ranks in the construction company. I do know of a few companies that will hire felons here local to give them a skill. That's not their job. It's the job of us when they're in there. Um but we got to get them off the drugs first, or they're just going to keep coming back to prison over and over Another thing until that we can, what happens. Um, I don't know what you're alluding to. There's two things that happen. They wake up on their own, not likely to happen, or they die. Yep. 
until one of those two things happen, they're always going to be an hour system in our pocketbook in some form of incarceration, jail, county jail, city jail, or prison. Yep. State or federal. Another option is, I don't know where you plan to bring this in. The thing that got us thinking about this was when Joe Biden decided to pardon everyone who was in the federal prison system for marijuana only charges, no other charges, no violent offenses, but marijuana only federal offense, he decided to pardon them. Uh, And he did that week or two ago. Um, I'm sure it's not worked its way through the system. I'm sure they've not been released. Again, that's only for federal charges. That's all the president can pardon. I want to know. The vast majority, I think it's 90 something percent of all drug offenses, marijuana offenses, or state charges, not federal. Go ahead. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How many FBI agents are out there tracking down marijuana users? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, what is, is that to be. To begin to fix the problem, let's look at what we were doing in 1980 when we had, what was it, 300 and something thousand people yeah. locked up. And suddenly, you know, within a few years, we're at around 2, 2.1 million. We got to quit locking up so many people because they got a couple of joints on them at a concert. Right. And another can, thing, let me, sorry, oh, sorry, no, sorry no, one other thing, real quick, that got us on this whole topic was it was probably a meme it probably wasn't even true but i saw something a few weeks ago this 55 60 year old gentleman uh, oh, yeah. has a picture he had just got out of jail according to what the caption he had just got out of prison that day so 20 plus years on marijuana charges and he's standing beside a billboard <laughs> that is advertising home delivery of marijuana and he's like no shit I went to prison for 20 years for this, and I get out the first day. There's billboards advertising. They'll bring it to your house. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a certain group of this population that probably never should have been in prison, and at least at this point we need to stop locking up the guys that decided to go to a concert with a couple of joints. Right, and there's there's another step we should take. Bluntly, if that was a felony, we should write the felony from the record. I don't, I don't know Absolutely. how you do that. You can't do that with violence. You can't do that with pedophiles. You can't do that with murderers. Yep. Um, I agree. But for simple drug offenses with no violence attached, why? You're Again, people do background checks in jobs that matter. Yep. You know what I mean? And jobs that matter is the only thing that's going to keep these people from coming right back to prison. But you and I both know that we work for retail companies that ask on the applications, have you ever been convicted of a felony? And the answer, the the corporate answer was just because they check yes, doesn't mean that they are precluded from being hired. In reality, I never knew, and I spent uh, 27 years with a company in retail. I never knew of one instance of HR ever allowing that person with a felony to be hired. Right. There's always a reason. You check yes, they were not going to be hired. Yeah. There's always a reason. Absolutely. Yeah. There's always a better candidate. Yep. Um, And that's, that's on a retail level. That's, you know, exactly. you know, that's not even a job that can grow into something very profitable. Right. Industry job. Right. Yes. It, it's, it's, it's something that can grow certainly into a, a position. Um, <laughs> uh, Jacob uh, Fuzzy says that uh, his factory doesn't apply. <laughs> no hire felons. 
I'm glad some places do. We yeah. do more places that are willing to give them a chance. Otherwise, yeah. once again, you're talking about someone that gets out of prison and they probably walk out thinking, okay, I've done my time. I, I'm ready. I, I did the crime. I, I had to do the time. I've done it. I paid my dues. And then walk, and they walk out. And real quickly, as they turn in application after, after application after application and go weeks and weeks and weeks with no callbacks, realize I'm not going to get hired for a decent job. Yeah. And it turns into, as you said, hopelessness. Yeah. So that brings us to the very last one that I saved for last. We're way over time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is important, I think. Um, and, and this one is while they are in there, for whatever they're in there for, drugs. You know, uh, they, they, they got into a, a fight with another dude. Whatever the process, whatever the problem. There is minimal, if any, skill training that doesn't involve service industries in today's prisons in America. That has to change. I agree. It absolutely has to change. It's hard enough that if they're leaving prison, they have a felony. To get a job. But what if they had an ability to work on cars? I know several mechanics today that would give a felon a chance, even if they had it on their record still, you know, nonviolent, of course, we're still talking about that. If they could work on, they could pull a transmission out of a car um, or do drywall or do whatever. Uh, we have no skills training whatsoever in prisons and until we can give them the hope of i'm going to try to get a job but if i can't maybe i can get my own company because in a lot of general tradesman type skills you can start your own pleasure um, and you can make a good living and yeah absolutely mochi agrees with what we're saying i knew that girl good. i knew that that person was smart there you go I knew absolutely a good baker and she's smart. Um, Needs to work on her uh, fantasy football, but <laughs> she got the rest figured out. Um, her husband will help her. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't say that. Because huh. <laughs> he's losing too. No, he's not. Oh, wait, you are. That's right. My bad. Well, I sucked this year. <laughs> so anyway, that that's, that's the biggest thing that we want to do and see change. Yes. You know, it goes a long way to creating a, a hopeful environment. All right, I'm here. I've done what I had to do. Um, I, I messed up. I've created a problem in my life and I'm in prison, but how can I fix it when I get out? As it is right now, there's no hope. We just don't have it. How could they? They're going right back out with no skills. They have a felony now and they're not getting out. Um, and it becomes a very serious cycle, whether it's drug addiction, whether it's theft, whether it's whatever. Um, and again, we're probably not going to go into it. We're not going to have the time. But if you want to look and see what some other countries are doing, uh, look at that's Norway. working, look at Norway, Denmark, Germany, several of them have ex far better success rates in the United States. And there's two or three numbers you look at to determine that. One is recidivism rate. Number two is overall violent crime rate. Uh, so for countries that have lower crime rates in the United States, lower percentage of their population locked up, lower recidivism rates, they're doing something better than we are. 
Absolutely. We need to start going to some of these countries that we know it's doing it better than us and say, hey, you know, here's what we're doing. Let, let's take a look at what you're doing. We, we've got to change something because what we're doing is not working. Best practices. Absolutely. We used to use it all the time. All the time. Real, you know, it's retail not just retail. It's every, every industry. Every You'll find that they do that. Yeah. So we need to start doing that in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'd be remiss not to not to say that the elections are coming up. Please become informed. Make good choices when you vote. Yes, don't just pull a lever. Oh my gosh, that's one of the biggest problems in this country. I think it's it's not the politicians are the cause of it, but we are the ones who go back to the polls every two to four years and reelect the same guys doing the same crap. I, I'm going to put out a challenge to Andy Barr again to come onto our program. Uh, and I pick on Andy a lot because we met Andy. We know we used to really, really like. We used Andy. to really like him, and he has since become that quote politician. politician. Um, and I don't know that I can vote for Andy Barr in this coming election. And uh, he's going to be in a tight election, so uh, I can't throw my support behind somebody I can't throw my support behind fully. You know, so become educated, make a good vote. And, uh, Jerry, if you can't see the light, be the light. That's right. We'll talk to you guys later. Till next time. Be safe.